Is my story sad but true About the one legend's called Guru In his purple sled he'd roam Orange Town As one of the finest humans around Hip, hip, whoa, hip, hip, whoa, hip, hip, whoa we should have known, <laughs> known it from the very start. Greg Butler would leave us all with saddened hearts to hold your values straight and true. You do far worse than emulating guru. I'll miss his grin and his boisterous laugh. Well-rounded guidance on the custom path. So if you don't want to cry like we do, then emulate the grand guru. Greg loved to travel around. He's EK sled all over town. People, let me put you wise. Gurus, the champion of guys. <laughs> that was good. That was awesome. I was, trying to do the, I was trying to do that over breakfast this morning, so I was going to, you know, it was going to run out eventually, but there you, you go. wrote that this morning. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. At breakfast. Well, well done. At, bre- at yeah. brekkie. At I'm pretty impressed, to be at, honest. At brekkie with well. Evelyn and company, so there you go. You can only do so much under the pressure. <laughs> you did great. I'm proud of you. Okay, everybody, welcome to episode, I think I called it 49, the Greg, Bo- the Greg Butler extravaganza. We're <laughs> celebrating one of the finest humans that we've, uh, that a few of us have known. Welcome to the studio and pretty humbled by this one, Adrian Butler, Greg's brother. How you going, uh-huh. mate? Oh, mate, buddy, glad to be here, glad to be here. Yeah, no, I'm bloody stoked, mate. You know, when you reached out on Messenger on the day of departure and just sort of offered yourself to become available for this, I was stoked, but I've been smiling in the background because, again, you study through custom cars, Oz, and you find out how much of your brother lives in there. Um, it was amazing. Like, I'll just say, too, when I first met Greg, he said he likes to be that bloke that sneaks through the back of the car park and everybody wonders about. But, and, you know, we've got pseudonyms, we're calling ourselves Boris, we've got all these other little sub and backstories going, but... I've never seen so much of a bloke put himself into that group. Like, he was just there for everybody in support of every build. Like, it was amazing. So, uh, really appreciate having you on board, mate, and especially it's all it's all pretty fresh. Oh, yeah, yeah, mate, I just look at everyone, and there's people jumping on from all over the world, mate. It's, oh, mate, I, yeah, he's feeling it. I know he'd be feeling it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm actually going to have a bit of a look through at some point too through here and I'll read out some of the stuff that's landed in the group about him as well. But, um, yeah, no, again, fantastic. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to tell the story of Greg Butler without telling and uh, the guru without telling the story of FC Cool. So welcome to the studio, Leon Julian. How are you going, mate? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Still pretty sad with... uh, What's happened throughout a week? Yeah, no, I can t- totally imagine that, mate, because, yeah, again, I've, you know, sort of messaged you, but I know the impact when you and him weren't catching up, that, um, yeah, definitely, you guys are best mates. No one can bloody take that from you, pair. So, yeah, no, thanks heaps for jumping on and joining us. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, good to be here. It's good to be able to... Uh, have a talk about it and go back through some of the things that we did. Yeah, no, I've got no doubt. Now, Scotty, you're pretty good, mate. We're lucky to have Scotty on the bloody tech side for this too. This would be a pretty hard thing to network with my our old school bloody brains because uh, he's managing to pull up a bit of stuff. Yeah, that's the wrong one, mate. That's not. That's the. Uh, that's the. 
that's the public page, not the private group, isn't it? Yeah, so. Just read it out to me. What's it called? No, you've got to go custom. Uh, it's custom cars, Oz, but it's in capitals. Yeah, and then it's add your custom car photo. You've got to add that in there too. We're just trying to look up the page just so that um, we've got access to the options. There, yeah, the second one down, that one. Yeah, you got it now, Scotty. Uh, but it's not it. Is that, that's not it. No, that's not it either. Why haven't we got it? Why is the invite not coming through? Go via posts or something. I don't know. I might have to invite Scotty, do I? Come on. I've sent him an invite. Do you have to approve it? To his Facebook. I wouldn't have thought. Uh, maybe. Hang on. It seems. Yeah, well, there we go, Scotty. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, approve. You could cut a bit oh. of this banter out if you want, Scotty, because this, this has you got just me totally. the line. Must be nice. So now I've approved it onto your Facebook. Yeah, there we go. Now we've got the right page. I'm useful for something. Yeah, no, all good. Okay, so how are we going to run this? Oh, hang on. I've got some questions. Oh, I've right. got to answer questions to get <laughs> – what is a custom car? No, you should already be I in. didn't even have to answer this. <laughs> I'll get Leon to answer that one. Leon, what is a custom car? <laughs> yeah, right. You could look at a custom uh, in two sort of ways. So really a custom car is a car that's been uh, – uh, restyled and personalised to suit the individual rather than uh, the way that the car comes from the factory mass produced. Absolutely. Um, but when uh, we talk about customs, we're really talking about uh, cars like pre-1965 and yep. that's because um, this was sort of like the heyday era of uh, custom cars or I think it pretty much peaked around 1963 over in the States and we were a little bit behind in Australia and we sort of carried on into uh, vanning and stuff. But the sort of customs that me and Guru uh, would often that we were involved with was like pre-1965 cars, that uh, sort of 50s, early, early 60s style. Uh, and, yeah, basically... It's a car that's been restyled to suit the person's, uh, you know, to suit the uh, owner of that car. Yep. Uh, you know, like anything that's custom made, it's to suit uh, like an individual. It's a one-off. Yeah. Uh, and we do that with um, uh, usually with uh, changes to the bodywork that might be a bit more difficult or uh, not so practical or uh, within the budgets of being mass-produced. Uh, so something that you can do when you have the time yourself to do things by hand yep. or um, mass production, uh, the limitations of mass production uh, isn't there. Uh, now you can uh, go with doing modifications. We go with uh, putting adding features to the car that you wouldn't normally see on the factory uh, models. But a lot of the time, it was trying to make the car more exotic. Uh, so you might see some of these features on some of the uh, continental cars or some uh, the upper market European stuff. Yep. Um, and, yeah, basically, it was taking, like, uh, everyday cars, you know, like GMs and Fords and stuff like that, and giving them those touches to make them something special and unique and uh, more exotic. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I just want to, yeah, Scotty's got us up now. He's found the found the page. Um, can you just pull us back a bit, Scotty? Just back to that. Um, yeah, no, up, Down. up. You're going past it. No. That drawing. The drawing. This oh. one here. 
Can you just expand that one there uh, on the Seymour? Yeah, up the top, Seymour? No, Seymour? Yeah, just there, mate. I just want to read out this thing that, um, yeah, pretty much that Brian Oink's put into Custom Cars Oz because, you know, he approached me and just said he'd like to write some words. And I know that he did a few concepts with Greg as well, like on the EJ, and they were sort of you know, message chatting late into the nights. But um, he said to me that maybe he could actually um, – he said, oh, I'll send it through to you. I said, no, mate, just post it, you know. Like, I, I had no qualms about him posting up what he felt. Uh, I might have qualms about reading it off this screen. So I'm going to pull it up on my phone. But I just think this really says a lot too. Um, in honour of our mate Greg, uh, damn it, disappeared. Hang on. Jesus is no ideal. Uh, get back to that one. <sighs> yeah. In honour of our mate Greg, we were speaking a few weeks back regards my death experience and we talked about how people cannot deal with the inevitable. I threw the, this picture together quickly and he loved it. He told me that the sled parking is down the back beside the lean-to where all his projects were waiting for him. This is the pearly gates with the EK sled. He told me to post this when it was time. Sadly, I have only just found out that Greg has now entered the next plane of his existence. I will miss him in our long chats. I first met Guru maybe 20, 25 years back when he was on a rod forum and we got talking. He asked me to throw together some Photoshop pics for his ideas. Back then I used MS Paint, but he was impressed and we did so many renderings of his EK sled and other ideas he had for other cars and rods. It was fun and I enjoyed doing it for him as he was one of those guys thought outside the box and never cared what others thought. He did his thing, and I felt, feel so privileged for the time we spent in Gmail, Yahoo, Messenger, then later Facebook Messenger, throwing around ideas which would have the purists reaching for their inhalers. <laughs> Lol. I so wish I still had all the pictures we shared to each other so that the other guys could get a kick out of some of them. He was a guy with an overly healthy supercharged dose of ADHD, which always kept me guessing and ready for his next idea which, of course, would usually totally catch me by surprise, but I love the way he thought. We are not here forever. We are here for a short time, and through the good and the bad, often some will leave deep impressions on others without realising it. Greg was one of those guys. He was one of the good guys, and he will be very much missed by many, probably more than even he could realise. Goodbye, my brother, until we meet again. We can work together under your lean-to. Love you, mate. So that was one from Brian, and... I sort of again having, having you guys on board. Like you guys have got bigger stories than me. I mean, he was only fleeting in my life, and you know the impact on me is undeniable. Because you know together, you know he taught me. I swear he taught me grace, and everyone thinks that I teach them how to be a bit more graceful in their world. But yeah, definitely, Greg was a big part of that in me. So maybe some backstory on the gentleman that we're celebrating, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? Wherever you want to start, uh, mate. This for this forum's as much for you as it is for anybody. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, just the age difference, mate. How old are you? Oh, yeah, I'm fifty. You're fifty. So I had a big brother. I had a big brother that I'd been a mechanic for over thirty years. Yeah, but, my, but mate, I was lying. On, I was lying under one of his cars at thirteen, pulling a turbo three fifty out. And, you know, like on a dirt floor and, and um, like, where do you start? Like, first, his first car, orange HQ Belmont. It wasn't, it wasn't as good as AA's Donnie, but it was pretty damn good. And I remember riding home from the car dealer in the back of it. Yeah. Books, but 
Yeah, she unceremoniously hit a drain and with the left hand front wheel against the firewall, but you live and you learn for it. So <laughs> HJ, HJ Monaro slash HX lookalike thing. And I remember. Take, yeah, yeah, you spoke fondly about that car. I do remember that. He used to take me to Kuragang Island on a Sunday night for the illegal drags. <laughs> Mum would have a coronary if she knew exactly what he'd done. But, and then, oh, holding, holding the passion lot. Mum had a HQ, a HQ202 auto. So we used to sneak out of it and pull foot ons and smoke the right hand rear tyre. But he kept rotating the tyres around till just before my mother's demise. She wondered why she'd go through four tyres so quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was. I was living in a street in Mayfield, Newcastle, and saw an EK Holden. Yeah. Thought that, yeah. Well, I reckon my brother needs to see this. And, uh, yeah. So went down there to look at it, and the next minute he passed a deal, and it was wobbling around town. And, <laughs> yeah, it just became part of him. And that car is him. What? Yes. Yeah. Him and that car, they're together. Inseparable. Always will be. Yeah. Always will be. Absolutely. And that's a new, a new plan now to um, do a little bit of a tidy up revamp, like oh, not necessarily yeah. change the car, but just oh. put all your panel beating skills and bloody <laughs> into it. Yep, freshen it up a bit and sort of, yeah, I'm not quite as brave as my brother. <laughs> so probably I'll have to see how I go with the tyres. I'm, you know, I'll have to drive it for a while to see if I can handle it or I've got to put, I don't want to put radials on it. I want to leave it the way it is. Yep. But yeah, it's, look, it's, little bit of time but yeah it's, it will be out for people to see believe me it will be going places for people to be able to enjoy yeah and remember and remember and you know i mean i'm in rv bay but it will be going down south and it will be going to places yeah and as you say like even with the people that are reaching out sort of internationally and stuff you're probably learning things about your brother that you didn't even realize you know like we say that he probably doesn't realize his own impact let alone you know those that are around us to see you know he was, he he was bigger than he realised. But like this morning, I was doing it a bit tough, and I actually put on. There's a fellow named um, John Britton. Did motorcycle, did this revolutionary motorcycle in New Zealand, and mate, different thing to my brother, but exactly the same. Could see stuff. You know, it was one of these forces of nature that you know could see stuff that no one else could see, and things just created. Yeah, and it was that he could. He's a pioneer, but he could just you know, look at. So that roof on that and that roof on that, we put them together, it'll be this, and you're like, no. And, <laughs> mate, things would just appear. Well, one you know, of my, it was incredible. One of my favourites was we were just driving around in Orange and I said, God, I hate those Tritons. And just like the curved back of the cab on a Triton, they just look, <laughs> yeah. they've always looked atrocious to me. And he goes, you know what I see? I'm like, what? And he said, I see a steel tea bucket with doors. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and straight away, it's like, well, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we spoke about my Nash, you know, mate, chopping it down the track, and he's like, four doors or two doors? I said, oh, I wouldn't mind keeping it as a four-door. He goes, well, hey, well, firstly, we've got to, we've, got to, we've got to lengthen your front doors, abbreviate your back doors. We're going to suicide your front doors so that you're not crashing into your passengers when you're getting out. Like, it just, and the amount of hours I'd spent staring at that car, and I'd never realised those front doors were too short, but straight away it made perfect bloody sense, you know? Oh. Even where the just, inertia reels right. mount in my car, you can't get the seat back any further. So the big fellas are struggling to get behind the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good way to stop. Good way to stop people on unwanted people driving your car. But <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Now, just moving back to you for a sec, Leon. Um, 
he, he, he had no hesitation in announcing to me that perhaps, you know, he was pretty uh, integral in the creation of the man that is uh, FC Cool slash Leon, that um, he passed a fair few of those skills on to you, mate. He sort of amped up your your workload maybe? Or well, how, yeah, well, how, would car, you, how would you see it? My car was, uh, it was a bit of a wild custom when I met and when uh, we met. Yep. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, once I uh, got into the next major build on that car, there was a lot of influence there. You'd see a lot of uh, features on that car similar to Greg ZK. Yep. And, um uh, so I might just um, uh, I'll just tell you how we met because I had um, my my car had like uh, smoothed out some of the joints and stuff in it and shaved off some of the trim and tried to smooth up the look a bit and I had like French stereos and stuff in it. Yep. And everyone else around town, you know, they'd get a set of mags and a big exhaust and uh, you know, tinted windows and all that sort of stuff, and they were. You know, what I was doing wasn't the same stuff as what the other guys around town were doing. And all of a sudden, people started coming up to me and saying, oh, you must be good mates with the guru. Yeah. And I'm like, who's the guru? And and they're saying, oh, he does, he does stuff like what you do, and he listens to, like, that old music, that old stuff that you listen to. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, I, just, I, just, I was in town, like, almost every night till, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I thought, yeah, they might. And people were like, people would say, oh, what's that old fuddy duddy music you listen to or whatever? And they just had no idea what I was listening to. And I thought when they were talking about this other guy, you know, when people said old music, they could have been talking about the Beatles or Eagles or something. But like, <laughs> uh, I had, uh, my uncle had this uh, like panel shop or restoration shop that he'd set up, and there was this guy that, Worked next door, he did air conditioning, and he had a mate that worked at Caninans, and they both knew this guru guy, and they kept saying, you've got to meet the guru. And <laughs> I think, oh, he's just like you. He's like your twin, twin brother. Yeah. And one day I was sitting in town, like uh, you know, I used to hang out there around the beaches and that. I was sitting on the foreshore, and um, I could hear like uh, this holding six great cut time and gears and stuff and I think he was holding it like in second gear and he's probably sitting on about 5,000 RPM coming around the foreshore um, there. Yep. So I heard it I heard it before it, he got there and I've looked up and there's this purple EK with gurus written on another plate. Uh, I was like, <laughs> I was just completely blown away by what was going on. Yep. And then this guy gets out and he looks like a 10-foot-tall Hell's Angel. <laughs> and his dog, he had a dog called Holly, and he gets out with his dog. And he slowly walks up to me and he said, so I guess you're FC Cool. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's what they call me. And he said, everyone's been telling me everywhere I go that I either must know FC Cool or I've got to meet him. <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, everyone keeps coming up to me and saying that you now I've got to meet the guru. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to um, uh, there was like a few girls sitting in his car, and uh, one of them was actually the girlfriend of uh, a guy that worked at Canines with Greg, and yep. 
they just kind of drove off and me and Greg just kept talking for hours and hours and hours. And after that, it was like every night yeah. we'd be out for a cruise or we'd be in his shed and uh, all his music was like I had a little bit of music and you know, I would have like uh, two songs by Dick Dale or something and he would be like got all of the albums kind of thing like it. Yeah. Everything. He just had like, so much music and so much records and stuff and uh, everything that I liked, he just had like heaps of it and he had like heaps and heaps of old magazines and we'd just like grab an old pile of magazines and we would go cruising the town and then we'd sit along the – sit around the beaches and that, like yep. in, around the car park and we'd just sit there reading these magazines from the 60s and talking about stuff in them. Bloody awesome. And uh, when we when we go in the town – when, whenever Greg jumped in his car, every time, right, right till the last time that he came to my house, yep. when he turned the ignition key and he put the ignition key down, he had the ignition key down in the um, centre console, but he would reach over and turn the ignition key and you'd just see like his, his smile on his face from ear to ear yep. every time he heard that motor kick over. <laughs> and, um, and when he got out on the road, it was just crazy. I don't know how he kept his license. <laughs> 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 He'd be coming, he had these like 14-inch rims with uh, bias ply, ply tyres on there and he had hand-painted white walls on them tyres. He had like HK Holden hubcaps and yeah. had the little black lines in it. He coloured them in with a white paint <laughs> pen. And, I'm gonna and, actually, uh, yeah, I reckon I'll interject here and read a story about the way he drove that car because this is one that he – basically sent me in messenger and again i sometimes declare things to be too big to live in my messenger they've got to so i wrote a post about it and put up some photos but so title it from the keys of greg butler greg recently sent me a story which shows how the best laid plans can go dangerously pear-shaped then may only cost a five minute disruption for an eta custom life a return trip to bathurst swap meet us heading there i had the bubble skirts on but took them off on the trip home while oversteering around a big sweeping corner, I lost it and started going over the side embankment. It had a big drop. I flicked the old girl into a broadside, full drift, slid back onto the road. I was doing about 100 kilometres an hour and ended up doing a 180. Tire smoke was pouring out from the wheel spats. Ron never saw it happen. I would have died uh, had it continued over. Of course, the moment I flicked it, I knew it was going over and laughed the whole way. So he thought he was going. <laughs> I took the spats off and then sped to catch up with Ron. I was doing 140 on the dirt. It was really corrugated, so one of my hood pivot bolts rattled loose. I didn't have a hood lock at the cowl, so the back had been floating free. The hood lifted at the front while cresting a rise, then pivoted towards my windscreen. So I hit the picks and it went forward and under the left front wheel, tearing the right pivot bolt out. <laughs> I bent it in half and threw it on the back floor. You can see it sticking up behind the driver's seat in the last photo. I caught up to Ron who had been waiting for me. I had two major incidents that I had to pull over for and in the end I was only five minutes behind. <laughs> and, yeah, probably still driving just as hard after those two incidents, you know. Yeah, so, no, that's a pretty good one to drop in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's pretty much sums sums up uh, like a, a night out on the road with Craig. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just, a, just a, uh, yeah, he would be like coming through a roundabout sideways, and you'd think, oh, he's gonna go, he's gonna lose it there. <laughs> and it, like the car, I know it was just about on the bump stops all around, and it just had these skinny uh, bias fly tires on it. In the end, he couldn't get those. Uh, 
cross ply tires anymore, and he ended up going to like a light truck tire. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, it wasn't really it was it wasn't anything that would be great handling or anything. But he was just like. I don't know, he would have like this big smile on his face or he'd be laughing or something as he's doing it. And it was just, I just kept thinking one day he's going to come undone. And, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's just, we, we used to go out every night and we'd cruise in town and we used to weave around each other and everything. And it was sort of like, um, you know, we kind of like mastered this way that we cruised and we just sort of knew what each other was about to do all the time. We'd be coming down Main Street and just swapping lanes simultaneously, constantly, and then we'd get to a set of traffic lights, and every set of traffic lights just about was a drag race. (laughs) 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 When we'd get down around around the foreshore and that, then we'd be sitting on like five k's an hour in first or second gear. Yeah. And uh, everyone would just like uh, turn around and thumbs up and that when we were cruising town and back in the late 90s, Cruising in town in Newcastle was nothing like now. It was it used to be. It was like I remember coming home from the summer nights and um, and coming into town, and it was like it was bigger than being at the summer nights. Yeah, and uh, yeah, on summer nights and everything, <laughs> it used to just be uh, absolutely magic in there. But Greg, he, he wouldn't just go to straight way home. No, he wanted to like try and get the drive home. To, uh, drag on as long as he could, so he'd take every back street, and he'd be like, he'd end up doing like three laps through Hamilton, and then you know, going weaving around all these back streets and stuff. And I used to follow him, and you'd think, where the hell's he going this time? And he just like wanted to keep driving his car. He didn't want to no abs- get back home and have to switch it off. Yeah, well, I've had, and, my, I've had mine down for two weeks, and I know how much I'm missing it, you know, because it does so much more than, you know, they can put you on all kinds of medications, they can, you know, but, yeah, just jumping behind the wheel of your car that you've got a bit of pride in, it's, you know, it's hard to bloody beat that feeling. And, and Yeah, I'm, well, that's, that's what he used to say. Whenever he's down or anything, he can just jump in his car and he's all good again. Yeah. And I was pretty much the same way till I lost my car. Oh, mate, that's dev- but, uh, that's devastating too. Like, yeah, I don't know whether you've got any any inroads into what you're going to do to get yours back and resurrected, mate. Yeah, yeah well, that's I've, I've, uh, that's still the plan. Yep, I'm just not uh, not going that well with it at the moment. I haven't really. Um, I've just had a few other things. Uh, I've been trying to get out of the way before I really get stuck into that. Yeah, no, life can definitely uh, get in the way. Yeah, yeah, it does. And um, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff just uh, happened at the wrong time. And I really wanted to be like cruising with Greg right to the end. Yeah. And uh, I was hoping that I was going to get that thing back on the road, and we we're going to be Greg. Pretty much, he just seemed to live for doing laps around town in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever he came to Newcastle. Yep. The whole time he was like driving up and down Main Street and around the beaches, and that, he'd just be laughing and stuff and have his music playing. And yeah. Then when we'll get back to my house or something, he'd just spend like the next six hours talking about how much fun he just had. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> around there. But Greg's car, like, it was never really a show car. And when, when I first met him, he was saying that he'd smoothed out everything underneath the car. He'd even used like body filler and that to get it all smooth underneath. Yep. And then in the end, he just painted it like a um, satin finished purple and he wasn't so worried about it. 
in the end. And, uh, yeah, well, the one. But the thing is, like, yep, he wasn't really a car show bloke or anything. We'd go to car shows, and car shows were always a great way to catch up with other like-minded guys. But he wasn't. Rather be it, driving. It wasn't like a show car. No. He was a. Uh, he was someone who lived it. He didn't like just have a car to take out and say, I've got this car as an investment or you have yeah. a lot of these guys and the car just sits in the shed and, you know, they can like go and sit there and say, oh, it's got this this uh, can and these heads and it's got this, you know, the can's got this much lift and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't, yeah, it would say. it wasn't really like that. He was just about uh, his car and driving it like, um, you know, his car was a part of him as a person. It wasn't yeah. like just a car that he'd built up to um, the win trophies at shows or as an investment or anything like that. He'd built that car to have fun. And uh, he built built that car like as an extension of his personality, which is basically when you build yourself a custom car, that's basically what you're doing. But yeah, well, I've sort of... I know, he was just like really living it. He wasn't just... It wasn't just another guy like that you see at these car shows and that. And when you have, have mates and you say, oh, we'll go for a cruise or something, and they'll come for like three laps in town with you or something. And and they're like, oh, all right, that was good. And we might go and get a hot dog or something. And then everyone goes home. But with Greg, it was just like another big experience every time. <laughs> like you, you wanted, it wasn't like you were just driving around town so everybody saw your car driving around. It was like you were in some movie or something and it was just like this big experience. <laughs> yeah. Like when, back in the days when Greg lived at Mayfield and I lived at Mayfield and we were going out pretty much every night. Every night was like another movie sort of thing. And there was times there, like um, as I was saying earlier, we used to weave around each other going down the main street and stuff. We'd do that at like 15 k's an hour, and we had this young guy with his girlfriend, and it was in this. Uh, he'd done up a Nissan Pintara TRX, and had like murals on it and stuff. And I don't know, he must have thought it was something pretty flash, but he started getting shits and tailgating us and stuff. And I thought, yeah, you don't tailgate, they yeah. tailgate us. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, got around us and he uh, gave me the bird. He stuck his finger up at me and I chased him and we got through a set of traffic lights as they were changing to uh, red. Yeah. And I, I saw a paddy wagon coming out of the side street and I just like, hit the brakes and uh, locked up and slid through the intersection and almost cleaned up his paddy wagon and the copper <laughs> said, oh, take it easy. Like he wasn't a highway patrol, he was just a you know, paddy wagon. Yeah. Said, take it easy, he nearly just killed me. <laughs> and the uh, other car like just disappeared off. Yep. A couple of days later, uh, or a few nights later, we're coming back into town and there's this Pintara again. And uh, so um, – I went to chase him and Greg realised, Greg clicked on to what was happening. Yep. And we was like, got in corner at Fort Drive. And, you know, Greg <laughs> was a really nice bloke. He was always like, he looked like a real bad giant, but it was a really nice bloke. But we just blocked this guy off up on Fort Drive. And Fort Drive uh, was like this dark street to sort of look out over the ocean. And we used to hang out there a lot and at night. And, um, yeah, we just cornered this guy sort of in our spot there. And um, 
And Greg just got out of his car and when Greg got out of his <laughs> car and walked up to his wife's door, the guy in the car started crying. <laughs> <laughs> I had to climb two I had to climb two steps at his back door to give the big fella a hug when I was up there, you know. Like, no, that felt a bit creepy yeah. otherwise. <laughs> he had this like look to him like everyone thought he was like this big huge biker and that and Yeah. When when I when I met Greg, sometimes like Greg wasn't always the best with hygiene. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And when when I first met Greg, we went to a um, party like around Mayfield. Yep. Bit of a barbecue, and I got blind drunk and I vomited. And Greg said, "He said, oh, you mind if I just have a bit of your onion?'" <laughs> <laughs> and like, what he's like picked up a bit of onion out of my bonnet, bonnet and he said mate this is what best mates are for and he said I just want some of your onion and he ate it <laughs> he said mate I don't care if you vomit and he said I'll always be around to take care of you mate and he said if anyone ever gives you a shit they've always got to answer to me first I can see, yeah. so after he said that I used to just think, if anyone gave me shit or anything, I was thinking, <laughs> you know, like, that truck will be lead, you know who I am. <laughs> so, personal, personal security. He, <laughs> he had to look, and he had, I could, when his dog Holly would run off or something, and you'd hear him yell out Holly, and his voice was just so, like, strong and loud. Yeah. He's just like, he'd come across, like, uh, the first impression would be that he was, like, this really big, bad beast kind of thing. But yeah. And you'd talk to him for a few minutes, and he just had, like, the, the nicest manners and everything. He was always, everything was pleased and thank you. And, yeah. And well, as I say, I put people, it all down to, uh, I keep putting it onto that word, that grace, you know. He wouldn't negatively impact yeah. anyone. Like, he'd avoid that at all cost, you know, to not put, you know, put negative onto anyone, you know, and it's, yeah, it's an amazing but equality, definitely in a human. But he had all those old school values. You know, we were all raised with them. But yeah. I'm meeting eighty year old bullies on the road, and it's doing me bloody head in because we were meant to be able to respect those that are older than us. But you know, an arsehole's an arsehole. But again, like yeah, and Greg apparently did get, but he, you know, copped him a fair bit of crap off people, and people would denigrate the work that he'd done and things like that. And I think I wouldn't be game, you know. I'd see the bloke and go, nice car, mate. You know, smile, <laughs> be grateful yeah, to walk past. A lot past, of people you know? don't get it. Yeah. What, what he was doing, what he was into, a lot of people don't get it. Yeah, well, I've, and we I've, don't really give a shit about those kind of people anyway. Yeah, well, I've mentioned to people before about, you know, he's buying bowls from bloody, ta- you know, from the reject shop for $5 to make himself a set of bloody taillight lenses. And, but... You know, it's that, yeah, it's that customer's life thing. You know, he wouldn't go, I've got no money, therefore I can't do it. He had to just keep moving himself forward. And if, you know, he could only afford to go and spend bloody $7, he'd make that $7 into something absolutely glorious on his car. You know, it's just... Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when Bunnings started up and we'd go for a walk in the Bunnings and we'd just be walking around in there for hours and hours and he'd just be grabbing everything and saying, oh, this could be this and that could be that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the radiator. And you'd um, those, those oil-based radiators like the heaters and he's look, he's had one sitting beside the shed and he said to me, have a look at the end of that. And he's held it up on its side. He said, you know, you know what I see when I look at that? And I'm like, what? And he said, 
that's a 54 Corvette grill right there, you know, like, you know, so that top, yeah. that top section of that finned radiator, like, you just cut that up, turn that into a grill, you know, or people are throwing out their spindly little clothes horses that are on the side of the road and he's rubbing his bloody hands together, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was like. He, he just had a uh, quick eye for, he could see something, he always saw something else in it. Yeah. And, uh yeah, like you were saying there before about uh, how he had those uh, old school values. I think I don't know if he got that from. Uh, I only met his parents a couple of times, but I don't know if he got that from the way he was brought up or or what it was. But every Definitely, time you'd introduce him to someone, they'd look at him like, look at his big face, <laughs> and then they would always come off saying, "Wow, he's such a nice, he's such a lovely bloke. He's like a gentle giant, isn't he?" Yeah, and everyone everyone loved him. Like, yeah, well, oh, everyone that knew him, everyone that met him. Well, what do you think, I know Adrian? Met people. Yeah, I was going like to say. I was going to say, what do you think, Adrian? Did those values run through the household? Was oh, that... mate, definitely, definitely. Like my parents were born thirty nine, so there were times as teenagers we were frustrated because we were raised like nineteen forties kids. But you know what? Yep. He, ne- he never he never saw the inside of a courtroom. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, luckily, the crazy things that he did. Yeah. But, but um, in the end, mate, like he would not, hey, he would not do someone a bad turn. He'd give you the shirt off his back, you know. Like, yeah. He'd help anyone. And like Leon said, like he just, he could see things and, and, and tune into people and, yeah, look like, like, like Leon was saying about Hollywood, he's yelling out the Hollywood look. I remember a day I was around at his place at Mayfield and he, and he yelled at Holly, just sit and believe me, I sat down. <laughs> like, it was like, sit! And I was like, okay. But <laughs> <laughs> everyone sat, you know, like, bloody hell. But it wasn't It wasn't very often. And like, but, yeah. uh, you know, like, he's, like, the, like his, his art, his, his values, like, mum was an incredible artist, you know, so he got, I mean, sure he inherited artistic flair off her, and then the old man was like, Hey, would would help. We were raised. You help a mate. Yeah, you, know, you don't question it. You don't expect anything in return. You just, if someone needs your help, you roll up your sleeves and help. Yeah. And um, that was my brother all through. Yeah. So selfless. Yeah. That's exactly what he was like. Mate, he, he wanted to come to Ballarat. Something. He wanted to come to Ballarat and build my Chevy Love into this crazy bloody thirty nine Oldsmobile fronted bloody you know, <laughs> thirty eight Ford truck grafted bloody creation. And yeah, you, know, you just buy the Migwire and the you know the the materials you know like sort of thing. And, you know, we'd only just met, but I think when like when I sort of started to really like when he was in custom cars, I was and we really started to grow that, you know, like I think he found a lot of appreciation where he'd copped a bit of denigration, you know, all of a sudden everyone was on board for his latest bloody tail light build or, you know, we found, found a ready, a receptive audience to the amazing qualities that he had, you know, so I always feel good about that. But the other one was, I remember Leon when he was hoping to go to Grease Fest to catch up with you and he'd he'd painted the car himself and I know that he'd tinted the paint with bloody fabric dye and I'm talking to him on the phone and I said, well, how's the paint? And he said, oh, it's a bit shit. I can see straight through it. And I was down at, oh, yeah. I was down at Craig Issel's and Craig's doing the pinstriping on me boot lid and I'm telling him about this dilemma that Greg's got and he goes, oh, hang on. He said, I've got this and he's got this big drum of purple paint because it was mixed up at the local paint shop and that, no one wanted it. So Craig took it. He called it wonky purple. He said, if I had a clean tin, I'd give you four litres. 
Well, lo and behold, he's found the clean tin. He's tipped it in there, and I'm like, oh, shit, now I'm going to have to go to Orange. So that's what kind of got me to go up there and to work with him, to, you know, when he, but he spent two days painting the car in the backyard just so that he was happy enough with it to then head off and catch up with you, you know, because I know there was a big impact when you guys weren't catching up. I know it had him, you know, had him feeling a bit out of place. So, um but, yeah. to, but just amazing, you know, and again, Craig's generosity, Craig realising how I can solve this crisis, you know, this guy going, you know what, I can boost this guy, you know, like you'd go out of your oh, way. Oh, it was so good, like t- towards the end there, I, I just, um, uh, I was I had, I was working uh, like as an interstate truck driver and stuff and I'd have like, I'd finish work on a Saturday morning and then I was back to work again on a Sunday afternoon. My life was just pretty much getting taken over by just uh, working to survive kind of thing. And yep. I have so much regret for that. Now that I wasn't out there, like, um, uh, you know, get, getting him up here, cruising more, or going down to Orange and doing laps with him down in Orange. And uh, it was good part seeing, like, these people who'd be out hanging out with these other guys that were going around there and they'd be helping him out with this and helping him out with that. Yeah. And he'd break a windscreen or something. Everyone would be trying to find a windscreen. And, but, uh, yeah, when you're talking about the paint there, back um, when I got married, uh, his car, you know, like my car and his car, obviously we were going to be in our wedding because they were pretty much those two cars were always together. But um, a couple of days before the wedding, he rocks up and there's all different Panels in primer and spray putty and stuff. <laughs> he, said, he said, "Oh, I just wanted to fix a couple of things up before the wedding, but I don't have any money for paint or anything. And I started doing all this stuff, and now the car's just a mess. I'm going to have to pull out." I said, "No, you can't. You can't pull out. You can't have to be in the wedding." Uh, I said, "We're going to have to paint it," and all my money was pretty much committed to to uh, the wedding and everything. And, yeah, we just like between the two of us, we just rounded up all these bits <laughs> of uh, paint that we had and mixed it all together, and somehow it came up with purple. Yeah, and it wasn't quite. It wasn't the purple that he really liked. Yeah, we sprayed that out the back of uh, out the back of my work. I was working at a uh, car yard, and yeah, we just painted it out the back there on the grass, and then. I buffed it all up. I buffed all the paint up on the car like glass. It was like, uh, they look pretty much how the FC was. So it had a bit of clear over top of it, and I just yeah. buffed it all like glass. And that's how it was in the wedding. So it wasn't quite the white purple, but it was the only time that the cars ever looked like that shiny. Yeah. And a few weeks later, he turned up, and it's a different shade of purple, and it was uh, flat again. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. Dude, that boy, I spent so many hours buffing that car. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> had shiny paint on it. Yeah, well, he even... said, "Yeah, but it wasn't the it wasn't the guru shade of purple." Yeah, so... or Boris, Boris, <laughs> Boris purple, as he told me it was called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like wild violet. I think it was a Ford color on uh, wild violet on the Wind- roof. Yeah, with like a, a purple. Then he had this other color, and everything. Everything that he had had a bit of purple on it, and uh, like he was riding this push bike to work, and he painted it purple. And his thing for a while also was to splatter this cobweb stuff all over, like underneath his car had like this cobweb splatter stuff, and his bike was like that, and other things he had around the house. Yeah, so inside was all these purple things <laughs> that um, <laughs> that were all like the same 
color as a car, and it was like guru purple. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, and I always think that like the blue that I had in my car, you just uh, I always thought like them two cars they look good together, the blue and the purple. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, that blue was sort of like my color, and then that purple was like his color, but. Yeah, yeah, he was riding this bike to work. He had, he had a, you know, a good job uh, working at Ganinans, building the Tangaras and stuff, and he got a bit of a back injury there, and that sort of just messed him up from then on. With uh, uh, When you get an injury like that, it gets a lot harder to get any sort of decent employment yep. with that on your record. Yep. And he, um, uh, he didn't really let that get in the way, but he just worked out ways to uh, try and – fund everything without his uh, income yeah. and sometimes that might mean stripping out transmissions to separate the alloy parts from the steel parts and that and then taking them all in the recycling or he might get get like a bundles of wire and strip all the insulation off of that so he could go and cash in the copper and stuff. He was just doing all these things to try and like get some oil for his engine or something. Yeah, yeah unbelievable. <laughs> was, uh, and again, a quality... Was, uh, a quality that you know wouldn't wouldn't exist in a lot of people now. Like a lot of people are just ready to put the hand out when things are too hard. You know, it's sort of um, yeah, it's commendable for sure. Yeah. Man, this is this is what he was like as a best mate. He was he would go uh, when he was uh, on the pension. He'd go and get an advance in his pension because I'd be moving house or something, so that he could uh, come up for the week and give me a hand to move house or something like that. Like. It, Yes. It was all, like he always put other people before himself, and he was always like just getting way out of his way. And when I was when I was, uh, found out he didn't have that long to live, I thought, man, I owe that guy so much. How am I gonna? What can I do in this short amount of time? And all I could do was jump in the car and head to Orange. And it, really, it was too late. We sat there for. Um, a couple of hours and we're talking about cars and talking about how I'm going to repair the FC body and all that kind of stuff. And he just started to deteriorate for the afternoon. And I'm not sure if it was the, um, the painkillers and stuff that he had on, but he started to um, hallucinate a fair bit. And we were trying to show him photos on uh, my phone and he thought we were handing him a can of drink and he kept saying no drinks coming out of it. And he kept putting it up to his mouth and trying to drink it. But uh, right. it was, um, it, someone rang up. I don't know if it was uh, Matt or someone. Someone r- rang up, and I had because me and Guru, we always like listen to the same music. Well, he's the only person I know that uh, I've got friends that are in the rockabilly and friends that are in the surf rock and yeah. stuff. But he was the only person that had the exact same taste in music as what I had, and. So the whole time that I was there, because whenever I saw him, I can't remember ever seeing him without music playing in the background. Yeah. And when I was there, I just like put on a lot of uh, music that we used to listen to, had that playing in the background, and someone rang up and they said, oh, what are you doing, Greg? What are you up to? And he said, oh, I'm with my mate from the 50s at the 50s shindig, just listening to some tunes. I thought, we got this music playing, and I'm sitting there in my leather jacket with my hair grooves back and that, and we yeah. got this music playing on that. Or maybe these painkillers have got him in a place in that paradise that he's always, like, dreamed of being in. 
yeah. like sitting there listening to the music and stuff. And I don't know whoever he was talking to. I don't think they had any idea what he was talking about. Yeah, and I don't think it really made sense to them. But <laughs> but, what he was trying to say. But to him, he was in a good space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How did you go towards the end, Adrian? You sort of later catch ups and stuff. Have you got anything to reflect on those moments, yeah. mate? But mate, it was extremely hard for me not being able to to get down to him at the end. You know, what we we had some time together in October. It was actually my fiftieth, and um, we managed to family we all managed to get him up and we had a week. And mate, my kids just hung off him the whole time he was there. Yeah, you know, he looked. He always had this way of connecting with even with the youngest person. You know, it's just yeah. he could he could just tune into anyone's level. And just make make it personal for them. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Oh, let me. No, and I think some people are sitting here, you know. And I mean, all relationships have got a bit of to and fro and a bit of up and down. Like you know, I mean, you could you could spend enough time in each other's company and have a moment that you you, know, you wouldn't be proud about if people moved along, you know. But. We all have those moments, you know. I was riddled straight away that, geez, how many more phone calls could I have had, you know? Could I have taken a couple of days, got myself up there, you know? All these things that burden you and hold you back. But, yeah, I think this was just a moment to bloody celebrate and to remind people of the, you know, of the value of people because, yeah, he was, again, highly valuable human being and, yeah, wouldn't judge anyone, would help everyone, would give you the shirt off your back, you know, off his back to get home and, you know, like, yeah, all those things that just, yeah. And, again, we all have moments. I mean, I remember I was up there, we were in the backyard, and he was explaining how he'd been mistreated in a few occasions and that. And I said, mate, I said, we're wearing this bloke down. I said, your shiny little optimistic mate starting to come down a bit off the back of this. And then he sort of admitted me to me with the diabetes that his blood sugar was a bit up to shit and how that can play in your mind, that stuff, and how that can affect your thoughts and make you focus on darker things. And I had no idea. Like, I actually learned a little bit about diabetes, but, yeah, that was when he sort of, yeah, we were both having a bit of a weepy moment there and I'd throw the arms around the big fella for a hug. But, you know, it sort of, yeah, it was, it, there was there was a bit of tension and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah, you miss your opportunities for hugs, you know, oh, so. We, look, yeah, was really cool. Oh, sorry, Lou. He was always, Greg was really cool. He was always like the coolest ever, except for every now and then he would just lose his temper. I think one of the first things I heard about there was uh, when uh, I don't know, his neighbours would have found a pair of uh, manifold with a pair of uh, Strombergs in their backyard. Yep. And he was having <laughs> some uh, frustrations there with tuning his calves. Yep. And I think he removed them with a tire lever or something and then he chucked them over the fence. He told me when I first uh, when I first started hanging around him, he said said, Oh, sometimes I have manager, uh, anger management issues. Yep. That I've just been trying to get a better hold of. And and he said yeah, and he said like oh the other day, like I just got really frustrated with the Twin carbs on there, and the matter he showed me like a broken manifold and that, and he said that they were just like really pissing me off, and I yep. got them off with the lever. <laughs> I brought them over the fence. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. oh, yeah. he, he bought a ghetto blaster, like a you know, tape deck you know, ghetto blaster, a long time ago, and he bought it. And it, it wouldn't wasn't right. He hadn't long at it from the shop, 
and it played up. Next minute, I saw it come flying over the second story veranda, and it was out with a mattock. <laughs> he said, it won't piss anyone off ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you want to talk anger management for the options, you might want to check this guy behind the wheel on his daily run because, you know, yeah, there's not so much grace behind the wheel of me little Renault traffic on a daily basis. I just uh, frustration can overwhelm you at times. Yeah, yeah. It gets the best of us. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've got an unfortunate thing too because Glenn Smith and Phil Ryan were going to be part of this too, but it turned out the laptop they had they were having issues with and the only other option they would have had was a phone option, which we can't really kind of do. So, um, yeah. But, you know, big shout out to those boys because, you know, they've sort of been in Orange, been on board and been there with him, you know, right through this. I mean, you know, Glenn was – and they've been reporting back to me pretty much, you know, daily like in the lead up, so – um, bit of a shame not to include him, but I asked Glenn that if he could send us send me through some stuff that I could read out, so I can even add that in post episode. I can send that through to you, Scotty. So that's all good. How are you going, Evelyn? I didn't know you were there until you coughed before. Yeah, I'm just sort of. It's nice learning about him. Yeah, I didn't have anything to do with him, so it's kind of nice to hear stories about a person. And you know, although I can't exactly give any thoughts, it's um, yeah, well. It's nice to hear the positives and the sort of person that he was, that you guys are, you know, celebrating him. And looking into the future too, like I've um, reached out to Will Johnson of Lowered and Lifted Car Drawings and I think probably today because I know he delivers things exactly when they're required, but he's about to do his take on the uh, purple sled as well, which I'll be really excited to see, but just a 14-year-old with mad art talent, just yeah, off the charts. But the minute I mentioned it, he's put it all other jobs on hold to do this one. So, Wow. Well, uh, Greg would love it. Yeah, well, that's right. always drawing cars. Yeah. I remember the first time we went to his house, like even the fridge, he'd draw cars all over the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like his old uh, fridge, I would like the old round-shoulders fridges from the 50s. Yep. It was painted uh, flat black yep. and he'd just drawn all these uh, like cool custom cars and that. A lot of like famous cars, like Little Coffin and all that. Yeah. Um, and his own creations as well. Yeah, well, he was and saying. There'd be people standing there with captions and that. Yeah. Was it train? Was it trains that he worked on? He worked on trains or something at one stage, but yeah, he was working with Ganinans. And he and in the dust on the glass, he used to do his designs, do his drawings and everything. And he reckons that's pretty much where the guru thing started to come about. Um, just yeah, the, from what I understand, they started calling him that at work just because he was always like uh, coming up with these creations and stuff and talking about what he was doing and that. And they just called him the guru, like the guru of cars or the guru of custom cars. Yep. And uh, uh, yeah, so I, I knew some of the guys that I'd met some of the guys that were working at Ganinans and they were saying, you know, you've got to meet this guy. He's just. <laughs> he had like he had these uh, skirts that he made over the back wheels, and they were like panels of aluminium that were parts of Tangara. And the car had like all these stainless steel dome head. Uh, I think that might have been like Torx bit uh, screws all over the whole car. It was all put together with all the uh, stainless screws that were all like. Uh, yep. He said that every time he finishes his shift at Canadians, he walks out. Screws and bolts in his pocket, trying to hold his pants up and everything, and he got a whole bunch of parts for his car. So the car had the car had a lot of uh, initially 
even the grill, uh, where the grill opening was back when he first uh, put it together, that was like a stainless panel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> off a Tangara, like part of a Tangara. Yeah. I used to look at some of these bits and I'd go, how the hell would you get that? Like down your shorts or under your t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he had his ways. <laughs> yeah, but even like um, in my shed stop visit when I went up there and, you know, the little sketch that he just drew out just to, as we were trying to explain the Chevy Love and what I wanted to do with that, you know, and it's just like, you know, within two minutes we had a concept on there just drawing in a bit of engineering chalk, you know, it's sort of. <laughs> Yeah, phenomenal. But even the photos, I couldn't put up a photo without him then maybe sending me back a copy of that photo with a few mods, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the old finger shop, is he, the finger shop, not Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. He was just constantly talking about how you could customise something or how you could make something look a bit better or make it cooler or whatever. Yeah, yeah and that's one to the- that's one that I really noticed too was that Rick Rick Hoving put in some really kind words, and I thought that stuff that'd really have him smiling, yeah, you because know, he was a yeah, huge, yeah. huge fan. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, Rick Hoving, uh, people who are familiar with who Rick is, uh, over the years he's like made this massive collection of almost every custom car, uh, like his, uh, uh, I don't know. About 20 years ago, there was probably like over 10,000 photos on his site of uh, different custom cars around the world. Yep. And, um, yeah, so he's really, uh, he's really big. He's well known with the, in the custom car scene like around the world. Yeah. And you see people who deal with thousands and thousands of people that are in the custom cars and you see them like stop and take a moment to, um, uh, you know, say something about Greg. Like, there's been other people on there, like John D'Agostino and stuff. I've seen make comments about Greg, and uh, yeah, it's just wow. really good to see these people. He would have been so happy to see these people recognize him, yeah, with um, comments <laughs> like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I don't think he really had any idea, like, how much people loved him and how well uh, he, he wasn't a regular guy, it was. Uh, you know, what they called him the guru. He was like, he was, uh, he just lived and breathed it. Like, you get, get guys and they got cars and they build up cars and stuff. Yeah. But he was just constantly, every time he got in his car, if he had to go and get bread and milk, that was like another adventure and another cruise in his car. Yeah. Like, he wasn't interested in driving like model cars or anything like that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he had to have that car on and he just kept it going and that car when you looked at it that that car is just so much a part of him and it was so much a part of that car he just uh, all the changes and that that he made to the car it was just so personalized and uh, you know, when uh I first met him he had that big gear stick it was like he was driving along with vape hangers and stuff. We ended up putting a stick like that in the FC for a few years as well. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you see him like just cruising down Hunter Street or cruising uh, along the foreshore and he'd just be sitting back with a big smile on his face and his arm up in the air on the gear stick and his other arm on the steering wheel. <laughs> and then he'd come up to a corner or something and kick the back out a bit. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, it just, it, the way the car rode, Sitting on the, sitting almost on the bump stops and that, and we were skinny tires and that. It just sort of looked pretty cool. How it used to 
move around and everything too. And uh, yeah. you know, like he always drove like that. Uh, I know it's not it's not really a safe way to drive, and it's uh, it probably doesn't do anything for the modified car scene to have guys like that driving like that. But yeah. <laughs> it's just how he lived, how he was. And yeah. It was, uh, I'm just he wasn't like to be like the guy in the movie. He was like the guy in the movie kind of thing. He was like, like just uh, living it. He wasn't like yeah, just a guy with a shiny car. That um, you know, people look at the car and go, "Oh wow, there's so anal with their work." It yeah. was like it was. He had so much style with his work. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I got one here from Nicholas Harvey too because there was a photo of the truck pretty much. But Nicholas Harvey, I really enjoyed watching the progress of this truck. Greg Butler showed me golf clubs that he had brought that he was going to cut up and make the front grill. <laughs> you know, but there's so many of those. So many of those. Things. Yeah, see, Harvey was the one that I met who he was like really. He worked at Canadians with Greg. Yeah, and he was um, he was like one of the last guys that was saying you've got to meet Greg. He was like you know he's like your twin. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then so he also lived in Mayfield, and sometimes when we would go for a cruise, like uh. Nick and our other mate Kennard would all be going out for a cruise together and yeah. we go uh, go to Harry's and have a hot dog or something and we um we used to have we started going bowling like a Greek just about everything Greek did had to do with cars, but bowling it sort of had a bit of that fifties thing to it and that and the other guys that was me and Greg versus the other guys that had the <laughs> The Tiranas, I think they called themselves the Tozzers or something. And, <laughs> and you know, we play like play against each other. They got to like me and Guru and uh, Ken and Nick. And yeah, um, yeah, we just like, we were hanging out a lot. And their cars were pretty irrelevant to, to our cars, you know, like these Tiranas at the time. They were just like a couple of late model, late model cars, but they were other guys that really enjoyed cruising and yeah. they were. Um, yeah, we'll do we'll do a lot. We're having barbecues together and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. we'll all be hanging out together. I've got a tribute here uh, yeah, too. Nick, Nick Harvey, all all the way through Greg's life, Nick Harvey was also like a really good mate of Greg's. Ricky Grimer, do we know Ricky Grimer? Yeah, yeah. It was a pleasure knowing you, mate. The custom car movement lost a bit of its sparkle yesterday afternoon, mate. There's plenty of customs upstairs and legendary builders such as yourself that I'm certain will welcome you with a level of respect and kindness that will provide you with everlasting happiness until we meet again, big fella. So that's a pretty nice one too. Yeah, but yeah. but even like you know the artwork that he showed me when I was up there, you know, it was just phenomenal. Just keep pulling the scrapbooks out, and you know, this is this concept and another. Uh, just yeah, the workload of the guy, you know, and you get a bit sad and you do less, you know. That seems to be everyone else's automatic, but in movement, but you know, through the pain, through the health crisis and everything, just still soldiering on, still doing things, you know, still ticking those boxes. Been incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. It, like it'll be out of orange there. It's uh, get pretty cold there at night in winter, and he'll have like a stuffed gearbox or a stuffed clutch or something. And you talk to him, and you'd say, "Oh, I was up at like three o'clock in the morning in the tent, <laughs> laying under the car, trying to get this out, and it was been a real bastard." And <laughs> <laughs> what did you get? <laughs> that is phenomenal. 
where it, like with the state of his health and everything, uh, you know, he's this is like when he's starting to say like uh, on his last legs and stuff, and he didn't really like saying that to a lot of people. We didn't want people to worry about him. He just uh, he used to uh, like talk down what was wrong with him, or, or he would uh, would really let on what was really going on with his life because he didn't want to really worry people. And yeah, negative again, wouldn't want to negatively impact those that were around him, you know, wouldn't want to make their life worse just by announcing his condition, I guess, you know, but... Yeah, he, he always put other people ahead of him. Yeah. And it's kind of, like, it's kind of sad now, like, a lot of things that I should have done. And um, I knew, like, I kept thinking, I've got to get the car back together and I've got to at least have a couple more cruises with him down Hunter Street or whatever. Yep. And, or even get out to Orange because I heard a few weeks ago he was uh, saying that uh, his arms weren't really strong enough to drive the OK anymore. And I thought, no, nah, that can't. The car that can't happen. Uh, he always has to be able to drive a car. Absolutely. And uh, well, that's something's got to happen. He's got to, like, get used to his arms again. He's got, always got to be able to drive a car. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, what do we got to modify to make him able to turn that car? Because, you know, whatever it takes, yeah. Yeah, the car, he kept that car going and that car kept him going. Yeah. And I think the car might have even been out of Reggio at the end there. And I don't know. It was just when, when he was stuck there in the hospital, I was just thinking, man, he needs to, he needs to, needs to be with his car and when I first got to the hospital he um and just sort of like dragged him in and it was all covered in sticks and leaves and stuff and they said, Oh, he's just tried to make a run for home and he was trying to get on a bus and he'd um collapsed in the bushes or something and we got him out of the bushes and just brought him in and we just got to tidy him off a bit and Yeah, you were saying he wanted he was going to get the car. Yeah. <laughs> I spoke to or we spoke to Adrian on the phone, and Adrian said, well, "Your car's your car's safe. Your car's secure where it is." And yep. It seems like it was pretty heavily targeted too, like by the buddy local, you know, louts and hooligans. By the sound of it, you know, petrol thief, theft, and buddy, whatever, of trying to break into his car overnight and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, someone at the end there because he ended up homeless and everything. When you've got a car like that, plus all the other cars that he had, trying to keep everything joint. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of guys that chipped in there at the end, and it was really good to see that, like people helping him move his cars and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we're actually working. We're actually putting a bit of work in at the moment, trying to – I mean, I know Glenn and Phil are going to try and sort out a little bit, but, you know, with Adrian as well. But Adrian mentioned that he really wanted the um, EJ Pelt car, the Scorpion to go to Hud Johnson, and uh, I've spoken to Hud Johnson, and it looks like that's possibly you know that's that's in the works now. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's what you were saying, Adrian. You know, we've yeah. got to tick something off his list, and you having a down moment when we sort of discussed that this is what's happening. You know, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, we put that car up as a because uh, that that was like a EJ Holden with or uh, was a Mitsubishi uh, Scorpion. Yeah, and at first. Uh, you know, because when those Scorpions first come out, like the Sigmas, they were uh, sold under Chrysler yep. uh, before they were uh, sold as Mitsubishi. Yeah. And uh, so uh, as a Mopar 
thing. He was trying to do that up to like a, um, a miniature Dodge Challenger, and he'd made this for it and everything, and changed the tail lights on it and stuff to make it look like a little baby uh, uh, Dodge Challenger. Yeah, and yeah, um, I, was showing, I was showing Evelyn through the photos of that one this morning. The evolution of that car. Yeah, yeah, he was doing it up for uh, his partner, and. He decided that she wasn't really interested in it, so he um, decided to cover it all, uh, the lower half of it, in EJ Holden panels, and it started to come up really, really good. I remember him saying, oh, I'm going to make a pelt car, and I'm going to you know, get these panels and stick it on there. Oh, you know, it's like doubling the weight and everything, putting the, this extra metal on there, but now yeah. I started seeing all the photos of it, and I thought, wow, that's starting to, like, yeah, well, this is starting like pretty, um, pretty cool. Yeah, well, I was looking at it at one stage, and I was just, uh, well, I was looking at the roof, and he must have picked up on me looking at the roof. But he sort of explained that he wouldn't have minded putting a lip off the back edge of the glass, like on a '61 Chev, like a little veranda just over that glass. And I just stood there and imagined how much that's going to disappear that scorpion roof, like straight away. You wouldn't kind of, you wouldn't pick it, you know. It'd, it'd just be really in, in the theme of the build, but. Yeah, no, yeah. It'll be interesting to see which way HUD goes with that. But And HUD's not putting his hand up saying, what can I have either? He's saying, look, I'm here if you need me to be here. And, yeah, there's no guarantee when that car's going to see the road or whatever, but he doesn't want to see things go to waste. He doesn't want to see precious things thrown, and he's got a bit of room. So, you know. Yeah, it would be good to, um, be good to see, like, some, some of those uh, projects uh, uh, eventually uh, – Get somewhere. Um, yeah, we'll shout out. I'll shout out Christopher Cook too because he's got the Kingsway, which yeah. is basically doing a really high end show car build on that car. But he loves that car. He loves the story. <laughs> he's really feeling it at the moment as well because you know clearly he was going to build that car and bring it to Greg to show him. You know, but yeah, yeah, the fact that that's being built in a in a bit of a tribute and is held in such high regard by the guy that's got it and. Again, like we could criticise panel beating and spray painting, but this is going to be the shiny version of that car that he would have loved, I guarantee, you know, so. Yeah, yeah but that's, he, he didn't really have the, he didn't really have the money and stuff or uh, to do like a, any sort of high-end work, but he was always playing with the EK and he kept that car going for like nearly 30 years, close to 30 years. And a lot of guys do high end jobs, and you don't really see them cars still around in thirty years' time. So no, well, it's, people yeah. say, oh, "Yeah, last or whatever." But big part, of, big part of why I won't start on mine because I know you can end up down that path. You know, now from Glenn Smith, I'll read this one out because I said to him, saying that he couldn't get involved, could he just send me through something? So a trip to the Riverina Rumble with Greg, John Dalios, and Tim Downey. We set off from Orange to meet up with John and Tim at John's place, then continue on from there. No more than an hour into the trip, we had a rock smash the front window of Greg's EK. Greg's trip's over for me. I said, bullshit it is. Kick the windscreen out and let's get to Wagga. Uh, hang on. What, yeah, Greg's obviously heartbroken and said, well, it looks like... Yeah, hang on. It look, looks like the trip's over for me. I said, bullshit it is. Kick the windscreen out and let's go to Wagga. So on the side of the road, we left what was left of the original EK glass, and on we went. While on the road, John organised a replacement from a good mate, Mark Oriel. We pulled up at Mark's place in June, had a yarn, fitted the donated glass and kept going. 
That night was a smorgasbord of food, beers, laughs, great music and meeting new people. Greg was a few with a few beers down, decided to get up and dance with some old ducks who were twisting away to the jive band playing for the crowd. <laughs> Greg's enjoyment could be seen from a mile away, and so we laughed, drank and danced away, danced the night away. The next morning saw the gathering of cars for the car show, constantly waiting for Greg as he absolutely had to stop and talk to every owner he could so he could ask about their machine. We headed home to Orange mid-afternoon and got home just on dark. Greg talked about the trip for months after and said it was the best road trip he'd ever been on and that he was so glad we talked him out of turning around with a smashed windscreen. And that and that was the story that ended up being one of those road trip stories for Greg. R.I.P. brother, you'll be sadly missed by all who knew you. So that one from Glenn Smith. Yeah. But Scotty's looking around now. He's funny. Yeah. Nah. Well, I think if the yeah, audio... What, what's that? If that audio quality keeps doing it, we're nearly going to sign us out, I reckon. It's just... Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I don't know if it's me. I'm not near any power cables or anything. Yeah, see, right there, it's not doing it, and then it's back. It just... Yeah, not quite sure. Scotty's just shrugging his shoulders, but I know that he's going to be sitting here with his earphones on mixing this down, and I can already <laughs> feel his frustration. Yeah. So although he looks quite lackadaisical about it right now, I know the torment that he's going to be in for this week, pulling that into some kind of shape. But Paul, anyway. Can I just add something quickly? Yeah, no, we, the floor's yours, mate. Mate, um, Greg's truck, the 41. Yep. My, my son Alex, he's 16 and he's starting his – He's going to start a panel beating apprenticeship next year. He's been my brother promised this truck, and my brother knows. My son knows what my brother wanted from it. Yep. And he's promised to be true to this truck. Yep. True to my brother, and believe me, he's he's got he's already got his heart and soul in it now, and he hasn't even laid a finger on it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And actually, I was talking because we. We thought there might have been a double up because what happened was that Phil said that Greg at one stage offered him offered him the truck, and I was talking to Glenn Smith, Glenn, and I said we might have a bit of a conflict. And no, uh, it turns out that Phil doesn't want the truck, and I don't think he's like I don't think he's in a position to build it either. Yeah. So you know that's going to be a seamless bloody transition, and it's so good to have the uncle's truck and have it all up and shiny, and you know, and, and as an apprenticeship bloody focus, you know, project. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. I definitely want those updates all the way through. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And that's the one, you know, stop saying someone's name and they're gone. But, you know, Chris Cook, as long as he's breathing, will be talking Greg Butler. You know, <laughs> we, we all will be, I know, guarantee that. And even Evelyn will probably mention him now and she never even knew who he was till she sat down here. <laughs> I'm just jealous I didn't get to go cruising with him because he sounds like my kind of person. Yeah, no, he's a character. And he's yeah. evidence that none of us have to really grow up to the extreme, you know. We can all no, 100%. You know, we'll stay a little loose. Yeah. Tell people about the guy and they would really think much of it and then they'd meet him and they'd be like, wow. Yeah. That guy was really, really good to talk to. And he would talk to everyone like if you got, went to a service station and you went to put fuel in, when you got cars like this, people would come up and say something. They hear oh, back when he used to carry photos with him, he'd go to the car and he'd get his photo out of me out and he'd start telling him all about the history of this and that. Yeah. And we'd be there for like two hours or something and be like, all right, we've got to go, we've got to go. It was supposed to be where we were going an hour ago or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 
someone else. Well, when him and I went to visit my dad's old tea bucket um, with Chad Chad Parrish up in Bathurst, and at one stage I looked across and there, I got a feeling Chad's possibly one of the wealthiest men I've ever met. But I mean, he's got his own health complaints and issues too, which you know that you know, no one's jealous of anybody. But Greg's got his crappy old phone out there. They're trying to find a bit of shade so he can <laughs> see it a bit bloody better. And and Chad was just awestruck. <laughs> yeah, by by some of the jobs, some of the work, you know, like and yeah, it was just just and ca- cars do that. Cars pull us together, you know. We've got friends in this Lake Cruises thing we do, you know, and probably wouldn't have met half these people if it wasn't for the fact that we just stand together on the grass up at the lake, you know. It sort of yeah, brings everybody together. Yep, pretty much. And even on even on regard to, you know, keeping your car just, you know, serviceable and not building it to that real high end level, well, you know, my car it's way more love than it deserves, I swear. Everywhere I take that old Nash, people just love it. But, you know, all its scars and all its bloody scratches and dings and, yeah, no one cares. It's just, yeah, good, happy to see it. It's not so much the, um, you know, it's good to see, uh, like, builds where people have put a lot of work in and I can really appreciate that. But what I really appreciate about a lot of cars is the story behind them. Yep. And the uh, people behind the car. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you're saying, the cars they just bring us together. Uh, that's what you know, when we'll go out cruising, we'll just be talking to other car guys and that. Yeah. And as I was saying before, Greg wasn't much of a car show guy, but we'd still go to stuff, and it was a good way that we could catch up with like minded people and yeah. just meet all these guys. And it's a talking point, and it's something that expresses uh, who you are, and you can tell a lot by someone. Just by looking at what they've built, and uh, yep, uh, yeah, like we just meet so many people, and and I've said sometimes all it's like you're a big car family, like you've got yeah, all these people that you see when you're going north, or you're going south, you're catching up with this family and that family, like in your uh, car family, it's sort of like um, I don't think there's any other thing that you could be into that's the same. No, raising a family, everything. You, all the kids in the back and you go to an event in Queensland or Victoria or something yeah. again. I mentioned in the last episode that, you know, there's no young kids looking to restore a car. No, and I'm waiting for someone to prove me wrong on that one because the hot rod culture and the street machine culture just keep growing with the young, the young ones coming through. You know, like for some reason, the restoring mobs, just didn't keep the kids in amongst it, didn't keep the excitement and the enthusiasm. But, you know, every kid wants a bloody hot rod or they want a tough Tirana or, you know, it's sort of... And But the other side too, I was going to say, Leon, even those servo stops, you know, when you share your story with that non-car person, that's going to protect us driving beyond 2030, I reckon. You know, when they try and work out whether they want old cars on the road, yes or no. You know, we've got to get out there and just keep reminding people about cars, you know, so... Yeah, that's right, then some machine that you get in to get yourself from point A to point B. Absolutely. So that's what the, um, the uh, original concept might have been behind that car when it was designed, but it's, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, that car is like a big part of our life and it's like an extension of ourselves. or, uh, yeah. I don't know, there, used to be, there was a movie that came out years ago called Metal Skin and sometimes yeah. I think about our cars as like our, our metal skin, like our, um, you know, the way we uh, present ourselves to people and, Absolutely. Um, yeah, like they're a lot more than just a machine for for a lot of people, and 
just uh, a lot of people don't understand how that how that works. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's me- <clears throat> as I say, I think I've probably got my old buddy, you know, so sort of my old sadness within me. But you know, that car, yeah, keeps boosting me. You know, it's kind of you know. If I didn't have that car, maybe I'm in at the doctors and they're trying to script me something else to make me smile. But, you know, just getting in it even just to run up the shop to grab a bloody grab a bottle of almond milk, you know, good enough. You know, just boost your times all the way. So, yeah. yeah anything else you want to close on, Adrian? Um, yeah, just my brother, he, he dragged an annoying, he, he, he dragged a little annoying brother around him to so many places. And showed me so much and made me help shape who I am. You know, introduced me to cars, introduced me to blues music. Um, but he would just appreciate people for who they were. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a great influence. He was a great influence on my life. Even though, as brothers, you don't all, you don't see eye to eye all the time. No. But I tell you what, like it's just family are just overwhelmed the love that people share for him and it's it's helped you know help it's helped hold, hold me together yeah. and um but um yeah this is this has been awesome and you know it's been good to hear from leon i haven't heard, heard his voice for so long and yeah like, he obviously had the had the good stories i just filled in the gaps yeah so, well i've been you know i've been definitely boosted by those connections that you and i've shared through the week too mate you know this bloke would be definitely. a whole lot sadder without you and i having to catch up but to see you know you send me a text to say hey me, me day just lifted a bit you know like yeah again every every smile that comes into this podcast is one more than i would have anticipated but if you know if together you know we can sort of boost each other and get through this and just Focus on the good and the quirky moments because we know there's plenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of that. Yeah. yeah. No, really good. And then, Evelyn, I'm glad you're not on the bloody payroll because I could have paid you to just sit here quietly for an hour. That would have been harsh. <laughs> no, as I said, it's nice to hear, although I didn't know him, it's just really nice to hear stories about him because I've seen all the photos on custom cars Oz and um. Yeah, just putting together this whole image of him and, you know, it is really nice and I'm sad that I didn't get to meet him and, and cruise and with him. So. And, you, and you have those shared values too. You've grown up, you know, yep. in a pretty firm family with some old school qualities and values there too, being the hot rod daughter. Yep. So, you know, at 23 and again, putting that thing on for Lee because we know that he's going to be struggling possibly by the end of the year. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's selfless and, selfless and glorious and beautiful. So... Yeah, no, you fit in here. Not a problem with that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to us, Evelyn, and waffle on like a bunch of old fools, but it's all good. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really uh, it's a lovely opportunity to just listen. I mean, I would have listened if I wasn't on today anyway, so I'm really thankful just to hear the story, so thank you. Yeah, and if you want to hear any more about Evelyn, guys, you know, tune in this Thursday to the Never Late podcast because uh, the good Evelyn, a.k.a. Tracy Fisher... <laughs> goes through the Street Machine magazine with me. So, you know, anybody else that's listening today, go back to last last episode. <laughs> be there or be square. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. I think we're probably getting close to calling it and a bit of a wrap. I just want to sort of say thanks heaps for making yourselves available, guys. You know, it would have been weird for me to be sitting here trying to tell Greg's story without one, his best mate, and without two, his dear brother. So Yeah, really good. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 
you know, I guarantee you that some bloke in the Ivory Coast is heading off to work on some sort of train and he's listening in today because we're actually, you know, we're an international bloody podcast too. We've got listeners all over the globe. So, yeah, well. you know, the story will reach a bit further and hopefully people take, you know, the, the firm message that is, I don't know, be a good cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. Yeah, the thong slappers used to do that whenever they whenever they dropped that C bomb. Yeah, and then it became clap clap. People talk about someone being a clap clap, you know. But yeah. So no, nah, that's it. You know, we could all be a little better, and we could all treat everyone around us a bit nicer. And occasionally, yeah, you get you get burdened by what you could have done and how much more you could have done. So you know, if. We've all got a little bit of a regret here and there, possibly for a few moments around the story of Greg Butler. So if you're listening in, be a little bit more involved in the people around you. All good. Nice, oh, way, well. nice way to end. Yeah, yeah no, perfect. thank you, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, well, I'm going to call it. Okay, thanks heaps for joining us, Adrian. Thanks heaps, Leon. Thank you for having us on. No, that's it. We've got to have plans to catch up now because he'll be looking down going, rightio, now you pricks need to be hanging out together. That'd be wicked. Absolutely wicked. I reckon I'd be pulling a week off for that one. Bloody eyes. Nah. Probably the most recently out to Greg by blood and everything. And I could hear about the truck. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to have to go and reclaim me 47 Nash Bonnet off it, so I'm glad it's going to a good home. Probably, I've been getting a lot of fellas, man, sitting around for a while. I was probably going to need a lot redone on it, but if he's kept, if he's like, um, keeping it the way that Greg wanted to do it, that's going to be really cool. Like, it's going to be like a cool truck. Yeah, no, it truly will be. Yeah. So, no, love it. Okay, I'm going to say it. Thanks heaps, guys, right. for joining us. Thanks heaps for Scotty for networking this and for your hours you spent trying to edit it. <laughs> pleasure, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Evelyn, always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, Moses, over and out. Mm-hmm.